This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's R-U-I-R-U-I.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Toyota production shrinks again. Nikola plans to raise up to $400 million with its stock sale. And well, take your pick of Tesla stories in the news today. Plus, consultant and transportation strategist Salika Josai Talbot makes her case for creating a federal AV and EV czar and why the government should clear the way for more autonomous trucking in the U.S. We can't continue to hobble and cripple the industry that wants to innovate and create pilots and significant testing beds, making safety cases if you limit the amount of vehicles that they can have on the roadway. It's just preposterous. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Toyota's global output sank for the fourth straight month. The Japanese automaker continues to feel the effects of the semiconductor shortage and COVID-related supply chain disruptions in China. Overall, output fell more than 8.5% in July from a year earlier. Toyota produced just over 700,000 vehicles total when its target was around 800,000 units. Toyota has had even more headaches than its peers, including heavy rain in Japan, a production line halt due to a recall investigation, and coronavirus outbreaks at a local plant. The company is sticking to its production target of 9.7 million vehicles for the fiscal year that ends in March, and it has maintained its profit outlook. EV truck maker Nikola says it may sell shares to raise up to $400 million. That's as the company looks to complete its acquisition of Romeo Power Incorporated. It also wants to ramp up production as expenses rise. Nikola is grappling with higher labor and raw material costs. It says it has no obligation to sell any shares and may stop sales at any time. Earlier this month, investors approved an increase in the number of authorized shares from $600 million to $800 million. That's after the company delayed its annual shareholders meeting several times to solicit more proxies in favor of the proposal. In more namesake news from Nikola to Tesla, where to start with Tesla? The National Labor Relations Board has ruled that the EV maker violated federal labor law by restricting employees from wearing pro-union shirts. That overturns a Trump-era precedent that took a narrower view. According to the ruling, Tesla required production workers to wear black shirts with the Tesla logo. The majority said the policy interferes with workers' rights under the 1935 National Labor Relations Act. Meanwhile, Tesla has filed a lawsuit to challenge Louisiana's ban on direct car sales. It's the latest battle to reverse these kinds of bans in a number of states. Customers in those states now have to travel across state lines to acquire Teslas. The company claims Louisiana's ban violates state and federal antitrust laws. And in California, a Model 3 owner is suing Tesla in a proposed class action over cars suddenly stopping for non-existent obstacles. Jose Alvarez Toledo's lawsuit claims that the EV maker has rushed its automated driving technology to market. 
This comes a day after we reported that CEO Elon Musk wants a wide release of its self-driving technology by the end of the year. And after a successful pilot run, the National Black Supplier Development Program is back. It has a new slate of companies that will get training on how to refine and grow their operations. Program creators Stellantis and the National Business League say 15 companies will take part in the latest phase of the development initiative. The program provides insight on topics such as increasing capacity, creating a brand, and managing finances. This time around, corporate partners including Ford, GM, Lear, Magna International, and Toyota have joined and will lend expertise to the development program. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, with Toyota really feeling the effects of the semiconductor shortage and COVID supply issues in China, like their longtime rival Honda, is it time to send more production to North America? Yeah, you know, both companies have really struggled this year. Honda's production and sales have been way down. They really struggled to get enough chips and it's been horrible timing for them because they have so many new crossovers and SUVs on the market. Toyota has had a lot of setbacks. They've had challenges really in every market, looking to ramp up production in North America, but also in Japan, in China and in Europe. And they've just been uh, beset by troubles. Coming up, does the U.S. need an AV and EV czar in the White House? We'll hear why consultant and transportation strategist Salika Josai Talbot thinks so. Next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's, you know, really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The transformation of the auto industry comes with all kinds of regulatory challenges here in the United States. Our laws and industry rules are written for an era that couldn't fathom the idea of self-driving trucks carrying freight across the country. Now, as policymakers ponder and debate if and how those regulations should change, at least one transportation expert says we need to speed up and focus that process. Salika Josiah Talbot is a consultant, transportation strategist, and attorney. She spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on the latest edition of Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. Let me ask you about this, Salika. So you recently moved to California, a state that that currently does not allow uh, for autonomous vehicles that are above 10,001 pounds, aka autonomous trucking. 
And you, t- you talked about how you're, uh, you know, you're not against technology. And I feel like autonomous trucking is one area that you are very much for. Um, what What's going on in California in terms of autonomous trucking and as a policy decision, how and why should the state move forward on this one? 10 years ago, if I ordered something in the mail, I would be okay if it took a week to come. I would be comfortable with that. And just a few years ago, if it took two days to come, I would still have been okay. And maybe pre-pandemic, a day would have still been, you know, they're knocking it out the park. And today, I'm looking at how many hours ago did I order something and it's not at my front door yet. Transportation is mobility and mobility is freedom. Whether we go to goods and transportation or goods and transportation comes to us, transportation is necessary for everything that we do. When we look around our homes, our offices, our places of business, 70% or more of everything we see came on a truck. But the trucking industry is under siege. The average truck driver is over 57 years of age. The turnover rate for most companies is more than, you know, 97%. And although trucking is the number one job in 29 states in America, we do not have enough truck drivers today. We certainly won't have enough truck drivers tomorrow. And when I say truck, I really mean very broadly, those with the commercial driver's license who are able to move goods and for hire to move lots of people at the same time. So your school buses and your motor coach buses as well. We can't turn a blind eye to that. And again, this is government, what I think falling down on the job. A, a significant portion of the goods that comes in through the United States comes in through the ports in California. These trucks are moving across the country almost everything we need. So we have to find a way to supplement this loss of drivers. The state of California said, well, we're really not quite ready to test that. Well, when will you be ready? Across the autonomous freight network in the South, they're moving goods by autonomous vehicle. Find routes that you're comfortable with. Work out safety cases. You can put policy and legislation in place. We always as a nation have decided, let the courts and the tort system determine how we deal with liability. There's always someone who's willing to insure and we have self-insurance as a vehicle, pardon the pun, that we can use to, to, to guarantee that there is a pot of money should someone be injured. But we can't pretend that we don't have goods that we need to move. And we can't ignore the loss of the drivers. California is supposed to be the seat of innovation. I came here because one out of every five vehicles in this nation sits in the state of California. When you impact California in a transportation way, you're impacting the nation and then therefore the world. Other countries are moving goods by autonomous vehicle today. Other states are moving goods by autonomous vehicle today. And I think that there's a lot of politics at play here, but in truth, sit down in a room with the Teamsters, sit down in the room with those at ports, find ways that you can agree low hanging fruit or carve outs where you say, 
We'll never move any hazardous materials by autonomous truck. But, but let's get down to brass tacks and understand we have an obligation. We are supposed to be the seat of innovation and we're slow to the punch, gonna cost us, it will cost us as a nation and it will harm people in the long run, the longer we take to get there. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Sure. Uh, I feel like maybe there's a case to be made that California has it right in that when the Uber accident happened in Tempe, it set back the self-driving industry. And I feel like that is a well-known case that we've talked about before and probably keep talking about, but let's just say that's probably a small scale events should something compared to something going wrong with a truck. And I'm wondering from a safety perspective, is there enough policy in place to, to say that autonomous trucking is safe today? How many people have died in crashes across the United States or in the state of California in the last 10 years where a Tesla was involved in the crash? Lots. Lots. Too, many, too many to count, right? Right. It doesn't mean Tesla's a bad actor. Maybe, maybe not. What it does mean is the state of California to date still hasn't really stepped in to say, hey, what are you doing? What language are you using? Do people really think that this is an autonomous vehicle? Because we know it's not, but you're using language that says full self-drive, which means certain things to the general public, but not necessarily the same thing according to Tesla's leadership. You can't have it both ways is what I'm saying. If, if one actor gets a carte blanche, but we're gonna say trucking, which is the backbone of our nation, necessary to move food and, and healthcare supplies and, and everything that we need to survive as a nation, we're gonna, we're gonna put you on the sideline, but we'll let non-professional drivers get behind the wheel of a vehicle that claims it can do something that we absolutely know it can't, and we're okay with that, shame. This is, this is a political position that says, we don't, wanna, we don't wanna get into war with unionized labor. And I'm saying it doesn't have to be war. I'm saying even unionized labor understands the position that we're in. So sit at the table and find carve-outs, find pilots find limited spaces to test and then move forward from there, as opposed to the sticking the head in the sand and saying, I I'm not gonna talk about it, I'm not gonna deal with it, and I'm hoping it's gonna go away and the federal government's gonna make me do it because we know the federal government is also not acting. So you have previously worked at the Federal Motor Carrier Safety <laughs> Administration. So if you put that hat on and you were uh, you know, administrator there for for the next few days or weeks or months. Like, what what were the what would be the pragmatic actions that you would take to kind of enable this this era of autonomous trucking? Um. So a couple of things. I, even though this is not the way you asked the question, the lawyer in me has to reframe it the way I'd like it to be asked. If I was if I was you know queen for a day, um, 
I have said before, we need an AVE czar, someone outside of the Department of Transportation, not sitting in any other department and agency uh, within the federal government apparatus, but at the White House. And the reason I say that is because AV and EV movement spans lots of departments. It's, it's a commerce issue. It's an energy issue. It's an environmental protection issue. There are housing implications, there are healthcare implications, and of course, they're using modes of transportation. Well, the Secretary of Commerce isn't telling the Secretary of Transportation what to do. That's not how that works. They're all on the same level. But if someone from the White House is a czar appointed by the president with perhaps oversight by the vice president to say, this is what we want. We're gonna look across all of these agencies, look at the impact across these agencies, and here are the steps that we need to take. We need legislation. And absent legislation, we need an executive order. You can't continue to hobble and cripple the industry that wants to innovate and create pilots and significant testing beds, making safety cases, if you limit the amount of vehicles that they can have on the roadway. It's just preposterous. If nothing else, the number of vehicles needs to change. We can't get to a spot where the Princeton University professor gets his pilot in Trenton with a 2,500 minimum vehicle per manufacturer. Nobody has an interest in going there because there are not enough vehicles to get that done. So a czar is needed, but if I'm at the, if I'm forced to take it the way you asked the question, right? Um, Come on, this, I'm not gonna impede innovation and I believe in safety is a cop out. The federal government has a test for new technology, for waivers and exemptions. And it is to have movement of your vehicles, the safety be as good as or better than. Well, autonomous vehicles don't drive distracted. They don't drive drunk and they don't drive drugged. They're starting out better than we even have right now. Transportation consultant and strategist Salika Josiah Talbot spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on the latest edition of Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on AV and EV policy, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a deeper look into Apple CarPlay's mission to take over every screen on the dashboard and the possible fight that sets up with automakers. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.